good to be um, good to be here uh, to worship the Lord with you. We begin a new sermon series today um, called "Ordering Your Life" that'll last for about six weeks or so um, into mid June, and um, and today. Um, because it's Mother's Day, we're going to talk about ordering your life in terms of parenthood. And so, as everybody else has previously before me said, happy Mother's Day. And as they have also said, it's a day of great joy for many of us. It's also a day that can be hard for some, for different reasons, as have been said. Um, Women, I want you to also know this. Um, You have dignity simply from being made in God's image, whether you're a mom or not or ever are, or not. You have value and dignity because you are made in the image of God. And um, you aren't defined by your failures as mothers if you worry about that. You're not defined by the failures of your mother, or your father for that matter. You don't have to carry the shame that sometimes gets placed on you. Um, And that's true for fathers, as I've said as well. Um, And so we're going to talk about ordering uh, life in terms of parenthood today. And Think about parenthood in this way, too. Parenthood is not only biological, right? It can be through adoption. It can also, in ways, be through spiritual mentorship. Like, we're going to read in a second from Ephesians, but, but Timothy is one of the pastors, the church planter that Paul leaves in Ephesus, and he writes to him calling him his true son in the faith. He's a spiritual mentor. The church is a family then. In many ways, it's compared to that in the, in the scriptures. It's a family to all people, whether you're single, whether you're divorced, widowed, married, parents, or not. So today, we're going to look at um, parenthood, and we're going to ask this question. How does God intend for parenthood to order the life of both children and parents? That is, how does it fit together? What does life look like, and how does that fit in parenthood? So follow along with me. We're going to read from Ephesians chapter 5, and then into verse, uh, and, in, and then into chapter 6. And I'm going to do that, and I'll pause between just briefly to explain why I'm reading it this way. So we're, we're picking up Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 uh, through 21 here. It says, um, Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Perfect, I would like to know, what is the will of the Lord, you ask? You've asked me that before. Here's what it is. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. How would we be filled with the Spirit? What would that look like? Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. What we're doing today, worshiping. Singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Two, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Being thankful. And three, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now we'll come to what's next in next week. But we're going to skip ahead into chapter 6 under submitting. What does that look like? Submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Pray with me. Father, we do pray that you will bless the reading of your word. Spirit, will you use it to touch our hearts, 
in our minds, the way we think, the way we feel, and use it to shape our actions and how we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what I'm proposing to you today, and the question I asked you earlier, and I'm proposing is this, that our lives, as whether children or parents, should be ordered in a Godward direction. And so Paul talks about this in chapter 6 of Ephesians, uh, those last verses we read in two ways, addressing children and then addressing parents. So I'm just going to use that structure and talk about what he talks about. So first, addressing children, your parents, kids, right here, eyes, look at me, children, all you children, children, okay? Your parents are meant to help you give, good, give you good order in your life, to help it fit together, okay? They're trying to do that. And what does that look like? What does it say to you? It says this. It says that you should obey and honor and respect. Obey with your actions, honor with your attitude, and respect authority. Now, now let me tell you about that a little bit, Okay? You have to obey in action. Obey. What does obey mean? Anybody got an idea? You don't have to say it, or, but if you want to, you could. But obeying is, well, you've got to listen first if you're going to obey, right? Okay? And then what's, what's another step to obeying? Do you actually have to do something that you were told to do? You actually have to do it, right? That's the what. I'm going to do what I was told. And then when do you do it? Whenever you want. When you feel like it when you're done with that little game on your phone, when the show's over, you do it when you're instructed to do it. Okay, right? So obeying is doing what you're told to do when you're told to do it. And parents, you have to make sure you're clear on that. Right? You say, hey, you need to do this. Well, need to is like, okay, someday? In the future? When? Right? What and when? So let me give you an example. Um, I did this example a couple of years ago. Some of you may remember it, but it's good to be reminded, I think. This is household chores, trash day, right? So kids, if mom or dad says to you, and since it's Mother's Day, we're going with moms. If mom says to you, you know, she's in the kitchen or whatever, and she's like, hey, you got chores to do. Um, please take out the trash. She's told you what to do. And she's going to tell you when before dinner. Take out the trash before dinner. Okay, so then what are you supposed to do? Take out the trash before dinner. Exactly. And then you could answer and say, okay, mom, I will. I'll do that. And then you follow through and you do it, and you don't wait to be asked a second time or a third time or a fourth time. You do it when you're asked, right? That's obeying. Um, Now, when you take out the trash before dinner, if the trash bins are over there, you're like, okay, mom, I'm taking out trash. You open the door. Trash is out. Did you take out the trash? Sort of. But you know your mom meant take it out of the house and put in the garbage can. Not just toss it out the door. Right? Okay? That's what she means by that. Because guess what? If it stops there, somebody else has still got to go pick it up and put it in the garbage can. So you have to obey with your actions. But also you have to honor um, with your attitude. How do you honor with your attitude? Honoring is valuing. It's respecting, right? And so your attitude is a big deal. It connects your doing with your feeling. Okay, I'm going to do it, but I don't want to do it. Now, is that obeying? Maybe, but it's not honoring. So it's not obeying and honoring. 
He says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, honor your father and mother. He's quoting the Ten Commandments, right? So obeying is going to be doing the action that connects with the attitude of your heart. And so when it's time to take out the trash, it means um, you're going to do it without complaining and with a, with a good attitude, right? So it means if I get my trash bag back here, it means this, you don't take out the trash like this. You're not like uh, getting it and dragging it through the house, smacking everything in the way just to show how unhappy you are about having to take out the trash and slam it in there. Okay, I took out the trash. It's not a very honoring attitude, right? You're demonstrating through what you're doing how unhappy you are that you had to do something to help in that way. So you've got to obey with your action, honor with your attitude. And Paul tells us, he says to do this because it's right. Obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. When he talks about right, right or righteousness has to do with things that are in place, they're, the way they're supposed to be, in order. It's a right thing to do this because it's good order. So kids, it means... Um, being right, uh, doing it because it's right, because it helps you respect authority. You know what obeying your parents does? What does it remind you of? When you have to do that, and if it's not something you wanted to do, you're like kids, you're like, I don't want to do this. What does it remind you of? Who's in control? Are you in charge? Are you in charge? Or are your parents in charge? Who's in charge? Okay, this is a real question. I want a real answer. Who's in charge? Parents. I heard parents. Okay, that's good. I heard it lightly. I think we should practice that again. Kids, who's in charge? The parents. Okay. The parents are in charge, and that's a good thing. But you know why the parents are in charge? Because God put them in charge. And it's not just your parents that are in charge. It's God that's in charge of everything. And when God tells your parents to make order and teach you that there is authority, what he is instructing your parents to do, kids, is say, there's an authority in life greater than me. And it's God. And I want you to understand that about God. He's the highest authority. And so, kids, if you can't learn to respect your parents' authority, then how are you going to respect God's authority? Now, here's a, a little, an application of this and a side note. We live in a culture in, in which authority is barely valued or occasionally valued or conveniently valued. But what is highly valued is independence and revolt and overthrowing of whatever order we don't like it so we can change it. That's what's valued in our culture right now. Authority is often assumed in our culture to be oppressive. And so it's not popular to talk about it. Like, we don't like to talk about authority. But it's needed. It's part of God's good order in the world. And so, parents, I'm going to ask you a question. May I ask you, where do you think society learned this? I suppose we could 
speculate, and probably speculate correctly, that there are, that there are good answers to that, right? And we could say, well, there's um, philosophical ideas, ideas of sociology and governance and government and all these things coming into play that are changing and shaping kids. And that's not untrue. Sure, that's part of it. But those all come from people. And society is shaped by people. And society is shaped by the most basic structures and units, which is the family. And if our families don't teach authority or respect it, why would we expect that society would be any different? And while we have this larger problem, I submit to you it's probably a problem that started in families and was aided in by, by other things as well. Kids, if you, kids, 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 children, children, pay attention, like at school, or not, like at school, depending. If you listen to the spiritual teaching of your parents as they instruct you in God's word, it says it will go well with you. That's what it says, so that it will go well with you and you live long in the land. Now, some of that is a promise for Israel and living long in the land, but the general principle is still true. Good order and respecting God fits for life. It's how it's supposed to be. It doesn't make it perfect or so nothing bad happens, but generally it makes it so that life works out well. It's the way it's supposed to be. And your parents can show you real wisdom, and that real wisdom is to know God. So real wisdom that your parents should show you is when you have trash, and not just household trash, but when you have the trash that gets collected in your life, like trash of all the bad things you do, what do you do with it? Because sometimes people say, well, it's not my problem. I'm just going to throw it at other people. It's their problem. I'm blaming them for it. Or are you going to own it and say, no, it's mine. It was my fault. I did it. And if you do that, what you need to do is take your trash and put it at the foot of the cross. Because that's the only place where your trash gets taken away and covered up. And you are then given grace to say, it's okay, I love you. Proverbs 1, 7 to 9, I think we have this verse, so you can put it on the screen, says this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. The writer of the Proverbs there is talking about wisdom and saying it's foolish to despise it. You need it. And he's saying, listen, my son, to your father's instruction, and don't forsake your mother's teaching. Both of these things come together to shape you and form you. It's like a garland to grace your head or a chain to adorn your neck. It's something you prize and cherish because it points you to God's good order for life and it points you to wisdom and fear of the Lord. Fear of the Lord saying, okay, Lord, I got to be reconciled to you. Here's my trash. Forgive me. And God does. He delights to. All right, so children, I've talked to you some and to your parents, but the second part of this is talking to your parents. You can keep listening. Keep listening. Parents, your children are meant to remind you of God's order for life. Uh, Let me just talk briefly about what he says here, and and we'll move it along. But verse 4, 
He says this, right? Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, he addresses fathers because he's not letting them off the hook, but it does not either absolve mothers, right? Proverbs just talked about both of those. The scriptural message is both fathers and mothers are responsible for instructing and teaching their children, right? And so here's what, what the question we ought to ask is, if we're saying ordering life is important, then how do you form them? How do you form them? The, ba- the last half of that sentence is what I want to look at first. You bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. The word discipline there, or training in the NIV, is an athletic metaphor. In Ephesus, there's actually the ruins of a gym. Right by the amphitheater, next to that was a big gymnasium where they would train and practice for different things. And so this word discipline is the athletic metaphor that athletes go through of their training, disciplining in life. It's a, generally a positive emphasis. You're shaping good, good, good habits in that way and training yourself. And so Paul is using the same language there and he's saying, yes, parents, train your children. Discipline them like athletes in good habits and training so that they live a life for God. And we know what lots of those habits are, right? Pray with your children. Teach them to pray. Read the Bible with them. Read story Bibles for, for little kids. As they get older, read Read the real Bible. Even when they're little, read the real Bible. Because it's powerful. It's God's word. Make them memorize it. You're like, man, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to like read the Bible with my family. I just don't know what to say. And I understand that. I, honestly, it's hard for me too because I read a lot and then I go home and I'm tired. I don't want to read anymore. But here's what you can do. Just read it. Let it say it. Sometimes you don't even have to explain it. And have them memorize it. Like, I don't know how I'm going to talk about this and explain it, and I'm not a preacher or whatever, so what am I supposed to do? Have them memorize it. Here's what we're going to do. Practice memorizing. Memorize it, put it into your heart. The Spirit will use that later. Because the words in your, are in your heart. You know, there's, there's videos that have been around for, for a long time talking about missionaries, especially in oppressed places, and Christians. So like Christians in China or other places like that where it's illegal and they have to live kind of underground in what's called their house churches in the underground church. Um, when they get caught, the Bibles get confiscated, they get taken from them, and they can't have them. Um, so how do they, what do they do? They memorize it. Like literally memorize whole books of the Bible so that when they're imprisoned, they have it. It's in them. You probably have three Bibles on your shelf. But do you know it? Is it being ordered and put in you? The second part of that verse there, the instruction. Instruction has a slightly negative connotation to it. Um, it is the warning. It's the correction. No, don't do that. Um, it's, it's the correction of attitudes and actions that would be inconsistent with a godly life. So it's loving them consistently. Parents, it's important that you do that well and that you pray for your kids, instructing and correcting them. And it's also important that you learn to distinguish um, different kinds of things that you don't want to happen in your kids. Like, you don't treat everything the same, or you shouldn't. For instance, you need to distinguish between accidents forgetfulness, and willful rebellion because the discipline is different for each. If your child bumps the cup and spills their juice on the table, it's an accident, right? Treat it as an accident. Instruct, correct, help them to learn to do it differently, but don't blow a head gasket over that. 
If it's willful rebellion, okay, here's your cup. Do not push it off the edge of the table again. And they look at you and they're like, that's a different issue. Now they're not respecting your authority. They're not having a good attitude in doing it right. It's a different issue. Recognize what the issues are and, and discipline accordingly. But parents, the other thing in here that, that I think is key is um, not only how you form your children, but how you frustrate them in forming them. Will you put verse 4 back on the screen again for me, if you would, please? So notice the first part of this. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not provoke them to anger. Just think about what that means. Like, okay, provoke is prodding, like, getting <laughs> you know, like, right? So that they get angry and upset with you. Right, the, the connotation of this language has the same kind of idea as, as taking the wind out of sails, okay? So provoking to anger is, is one way to say it. The other way can say it's so discouraging because you've taken away all their motivation for actually going forward. There's no wind in the sail anymore. How do you do that? Your children are arguing and yelling at each other and you just yell louder to get them to stop. Stop doing that! Why? Because I said so! Stop doing what? Yelling at each other! Right? You're just modeling correction the same way they're trying to get it. It's not the good way to do it. It's inconsistent. It'll probably provoke them to anger. Take the wind out of their sails. Telling them to obey. Okay, obey. I was in a store yesterday getting ice, and I could have gotten it a lot faster if the father and son hadn't argued so much about whether they're going to buy a pack of bubble gum or not. And they kept telling the son, no, put it back. No, put it back. I must have said it 15 times. Finally, the son did. He was patient, and they, they left, but, but he didn't do it right away, right? Now, that's okay. He stuck to his word. He made him do it. And that kid, like, had to learn, and he didn't make a scene there. I have seen other parents, some named Andrew, last name begins with C and ends with a D and has honor in the middle of it, Um, trying to get kids out of Chuck E. Cheese play ball pits and stuff before, and trying to bribe them. If you come out now, after two and a half minutes of trying to get them out, I'll give you ice cream. I'm like, anything to get out of here. I'm so embarrassed, right? But what am I teaching at that point? My child ends up being confused. The wind's out of the sails. They're maybe provoked to anger. They're at least confused because now they're not sure if they're supposed to obey right away when I say it with a good attitude or if they're supposed to hold out for ice cream. I'm teaching the art of negotiation, not obedience. Right? And so we have to think about that and how we do that. What are those effects? I'm not saying you can never reward your kids for anything. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying recognize what you're doing and are you actually teaching obedience or something different in it? Another one is um, child-centered parenting that is kind of, I don't know if it's still popular. I know it has been popular and I don't, um, and I don't even know all that it means. So you may be thinking, I do that. And you may be fine doing it. I'm not sure how you're doing that. But, but let me just say this about it. I know people who have been so focused on child-centered parenting that it kind of avoids discipline 
and creates exasperation. And, and it looks like the family orbits around the life of the child. Everything's done to kind of fit them, cater to them for their emotional support and strength. And emotional support and strength is important, no doubt. Um, they get affirmed routinely, maybe endlessly. They're not allowed to fail. Um, things like that, right? We might say that in some ways they get, they get spoiled in a sense that they're, by the habits around them, they're told and shown that you're the most important thing in my life. And, and I'm just telling you from a biblical, biblical perspective, they're not the most important thing in your life. The Lord should be. And if your kids need to know that you love their dad or their mom, if you're the husband, they need to know that. That will help form and shape them and give them good order in things. And they do need to know that they are important, but not the most important thing. I mean, if that's what they learn, then it's very possible that what you will do is raise a narcissist. And then they'll turn 16 and not listen to anything you say, which is always a challenge no matter what, even if you raise them well. They're like, they just, you know, you don't know anything anymore as a parent. You, were, you hung the moon when they were six, when they're 16, you don't know anything. Um, but then you'll be coming to me and Jake and going, I don't know what's wrong. Fix my kid. And I'm like, well, you, you had him for 16 years. That's not to say we won't help you. We're the church, right? We're going to try to do that. But just recognize how you order life matters, right? What you begin to do to shape things will actually shape things. This is true if you're an athlete and you think, well, I'm not going to work that hard. It's just practice. There's a famous athlete that said that many moons ago. Just practice. We're talking about practice. Yeah, but it shapes you. Victoria Prude is a psychotherapist and occupational therapist. We know from science, right, that brains can be wired and rewired. It's an amazing thing we're learning about our brains, but many are wired in the wrong direction. She writes this. This, is in, in, uh, this was a piece in, it might have been Psychology Today. I can't remember, but I have to look up the URL on it. But um, she said this. Today's children are missing essentials of a healthy childhood. What are those essentials they're missing? They're missing emotionally available parents, clearly defined limits and guidance, responsibilities, balanced nutrition and adequate sleep, movement and outdoors, creative play, social interaction, opportunities for unstructured times, and boredom. Yes, that was correct, boredom. She said instead children have digitally distracted parents. And she cites four different examples, and one was a picture posted in the newspaper um, of a teacher, Jen Beeson, who asked her second graders to write about something they wish had never been invented. You want to guess what it was? Four of her students wrote that they wish my mom's cell phone had never been invented. She's always on it. Instead, children have parents who let kids rule the world. This is coming from psychotherapists, not me, right? A sense of entitlement rather than responsibility. Inadequate sleep and unbalanced nutrition. Sedentary indoor lifestyle. Endless stimulation. Technological babysitters. Instant gratification. And the absence of boredom. 
What do they need? She says, be their parents before being their friend. Give them what they need, not what they want. Teach them responsibility. Let them pack their lunch. Let them clear the table. Teach delayed gratification. And she says specifically to allow space for boredom. I used to hate it when my kids in the summertime would say, I'm so bored. Like if you say that again, well, I won't say what I said. Um, But she points out boredom's actually a good thing. Because when kids are bored and they're not entertained, they have to figure out how to entertain themselves. It's when creativity in the mind gets sparked. Creativity can go different directions, right? It could be wonderfully creative or dangerously creative. But it can be creative, and it's a good thing. Be emotionally available for your kids. Talk about your anger. Talk about your sadness. Turn off the tech and teach social manners, she says. Smiling, hugging, kissing, dancing, wrestling, tickling, all those things are good for kids. And I'm going to add to what she's saying this. Teach them God's good order. That habits are important because they're formed in us. We form them in order to honor God and because it's good for us. Now, how does all this, how does all this remind you of God's order for life? I mean, I think you just gave me a lot of instructions there about how to raise kids or not raise kids and all of that. True, and Paul talks about that, but how does this remind us of God's good order for life? Let me ask you this question, parents. When you are frustrated with your child, I can't do it anymore. Ask yourself, how does God treat me when I'm disobedient? When I willfully ignore his word and walk the other way. How does God treat me? Sometimes he allows you to walk that way and experience the consequences of it. But he always pursues you and comes after you with open arms and says, Come back, here I am. Come get a hug. Because I love you. I forgive you. Right? I mean, that's the, the, the community groups this year did that study in the book Gentle and Lowly, and that's what it was talking about. The heart of God longs to go after his kids. It's Jesus tells the parable of the prodigal sons, right? They run away, but what does the father do? He longs for them to be loved and to be in the home. Throws a party for him. You may feel, moms today, you may feel like, discouraged from this. I, don't, I hope you're not discouraged. That's not what I'm trying to do. You may feel discouraged because you think, I can never measure up. I'm not the perfect mom. I don't have it together like other people do. And the pressure to you may seem unbearable. But the human ideas that we put together of, quote, the perfect mom are not always right. Sometimes they're just lies and they're built on shame and wishful thinking. Moms, what you need to realize is that you're not God. You're like, yeah, well, I know that. And you need to realize your kids need to know that too. You're not the perfect one. God is. Jesus is the perfect one. Your job is to point your kids to him. Pray for them. Pray with them. Point them to Jesus. Live in that freedom. Man, that takes a lot of burden off your shoulders. Live in his freedom and his abounding love. 
You know how, how parents, and you see this because we've had babies born recently, like Amanda uh, and Alan had a baby this week and, and others a couple weeks ago, and you see pictures and they're, the parents just looking at that kid and they're smiling and they just look at adoration on their face at the child and like, oh, so great. You think how God loves his children. Me and you, longing to hold us close, smiling over us, delighting in us. That's how it should shape our parenting so that we form good habits. Good habits that especially put us on our knees praying for our kids. Because our control is limited. Moms, your control is limited. You have control to shape things about your kids. For sure, you do. But it's not infinite control. And so you do what you can, and you pray a lot. And you trust their story to God. This is what pastor and author Scott Sauls writes about in his book, Befriend. He says this. He says, if I knew everything that God knows, and if we saw everything that God sees about what is truly the best way for someone else's life to unfold, we would be less prone to judge and to control others. And yet, when it comes to my children, sometimes I wish that I, not God, got to decide how their future stories would unfold and how their love for Jesus would grow. Honestly, there's a part of me that wants to coach God on how to write each chapter of their stories. Oh, me of little faith. When it comes to the people we love most, controlling type A personalities like me need to remember that we are terrible authors of other people's stories. Only God is able to be the author and perfecter of their unique stories and their unique faith. He, not I, will complete the good work he has begun in them. Philippians 1.6. And he will do this in his way and in his time and through his chosen process for them. Their lives are in his hands, not mine. It is his sovereign care over the details of the chapters of their stories that will get them where they need to be. So parents, we are ordering life because it does matter. But in the end, we have to trust everything to God who is the creator and sustainer of all things. Say, God, whatever story it is you're writing, help me to point them in that way. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray that you will help us to be people who are shaped by order and who know what it means to respect authority, help our kids to obey in little things like taking out the trash, Help them and help us to take our trash to you, Jesus, where we find love, where we find forgiveness, forgiveness, where we find acceptance, and where you show us how to create habits that are good for life. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.